As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hello, 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 everybody. It's Friday on the Athletic Hockey Show. Haley Salvi and Sean Gentilly here. Sean, I'm going to start this podcast with a very serious question. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about Costco? How do I feel about Costco? I'm sorry. It's, it's uh, distracting <laughs> when you're holding the microphone like... Bob Barker or something. It's like an old like for anybody obviously all of you all of you folks are listening to this and hopefully not watching it on YouTube. Haley's using like a classic stick microphone instead of instead of a sort of a fancy podcast microphone. Why she is using this is not important. It's none of your business. Yeah. But she's 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 standing there like she's uh performing at a talent show or something. It's very funny. It's really uncomfortable, and I feel like this needs to be a quick podcast this week because I don't want to just <laughs> yeah, I've sit heard here that. and hold I've heard this. That before. That's, that's yeah, and who rambles? It's you. Nope, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what was the question? How do I feel about Costco? This is the, this is about the Kale McCarr yeah. Costco. Yeah, uh, I've said this in plenty of spaces. I have a I have another podcast that's basically devoted entirely to discussing things of this nature. Strongly pro Costco. Me and Kel McCarr, who said he's all what he said. He says all about the one dollar hot dogs, dollar fifty hot dogs. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. Kel McCarr is part of the Costco army, and I and I I stand I stand by him. There are no good corporations. All corporations are evil. But on the sliding scale, you know, as far as that's concerned, Costco is Costco is about as good as you can get. 
and part of that is because they continually offer the $1.50 dog and soda combo. Kale's on board, so am I. God bless him. And God bless Costco. The o- one of the only good corporations. I saw he, he got, I don't even know what the context of him getting asked about that was. So it was a story from Ryan Clark at ESPN, formerly of The Athletic. Oh, yes. And he had a story um, <laughs> about like Kale McCarr and he talked to Gary. And basically Ryan had tweeted, there was not enough space in my story, but here is what Gail- <laughs> Gary McCarr had to say about how much Kale loves Costco. And this tweet has like, 97,000 views, <laughs> like all these retweets. And it's, you know, you know, those big sized M&Ms, there's a jar of those in his pantry. And at UMass, we used to take him and his roommates to the Costco and they were like little kids in a candy store just running around. And, you know, Kale will call Laura and say like, you should th- see this thing I got at Costco. I believe Laura is Kale's mother. Yes. Um, and so I guess he just calls his mom often and says like, you should see this thing I got caught. <laughs> I think this thing I got at Costco the other day, like it's crazy how much, you know, chicken in bulk I just purchased. <laughs> it's so. a remarkable place in the, in the, in the Costco it is, unreal. is, is, uh, is, is particularly special. And that was the context that I saw Kale talking. It was, it was how great is how great the, uh, the food court is. Just, yeah. He's just a regular dude. Yeah. I was just going to say one more reason <laughs> is to love Kale McCarr, but he just rolls over to Costco and, Hangs out, hangs out in the food court, buys a 72 pack of toilet paper and a five gallon drum of, you know, ketchup. And he's, he's like, he's like the rest of us. God he's just him. a normal boy. Um, there was also this other thing from Kale McCarr <laughs> floating around. I don't know what it was from. It's probably one of those silly, like NHLPA, like meet the player things where it's like, you know, before every game, I always do this. Yeah, and he which wrote, are ter- they're my terrible. Uniform- <laughs> uniformly terrible, by the way. Those are never but, interesting. Okay, but Kale McCarr said, tie my skates. <laughs> uh, I walk in the door of the locker room. I put on my equipment. I go to the bathroom, usually a number one <laughs> and number two. I get my Starbucks. I wait. Okay, Kale, you don't have to go through every single thing you do before the game. Uh, maybe is there anything maybe a little more interesting or different different than that? No. Okay, we'll go back to yeah. talking about Costco. I tie my skates and then I go to Costco after the game and get a bunch of chicken. That's the homie. Costco's it's all, great, man. It's my kind of guy. What an what an opening. That's that's like a perfect opening opening I bit know. there. Well, I have do, another question. Yeah. I'm starting a little silly today before we get into the news. <laughs> oh, so random. <laughs> so silly. Who's the most famous person that's blocked you on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, you're, are you asking this because you know the answer? It's Chris Jericho. I'm, all, <laughs> I'm Chris also Jericho. asking this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm also asking this because... I realized today that one of my radio guests had blocked me on Twitter as I was trying to do prep for my radio show. Haley Salvin has been blocked by a broadcaster for a Western conference team. Let's just <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. And he was pre-booked by my producers at Sportsnet and uh, didn't like, whoops, this guy, this guy <laughs> might hate me. I had that reaction. I saw that. I saw that it, that it happened, and I kind of told, 
Uh, I went super heavy on the first interview because I was like, I am not getting stuck talking to myself on the radio for 25 minutes. And uh, I had that reaction last week. Chris Jericho, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, probably the greatest wrestler of this of this century. Uh, Also, the son of a former NHL player, proud Canadian, all that that stuff. He blocked me for just like a one-off joke I made about him last year where he showed up, he wrestles in AEW now, and he showed up with a, like a fresh hair dye, like a fresh hair dye job um, <laughs> for a match, and the, the dye was running. Like it looked, oh. it, like he clearly had just put it in. Super cheap dye. And I made a, I made a cheap joke about it. Uh, Chris Jericho, name searcher, apparently, which, you know, it's okay. Plenty of people are. And he found that shit and he blocked me. And it's heartbreaking because Chris Jericho, I followed him on Twitter. He's like, he's like my favorite wrestler is a kid. And I find <laughs> I figured it out just like last week that he that he dropped the hammer on me. It was it was heartbreaking. Here's how much I like Chris Jericho. We when we were talking when when TNT got the broadcast rights to the NHL, I wrote in the athletic, like, and this is completely sincere. Chris Jericho wrestles and in, in works for a company that, that also has a TV deal with AEW. I said they need to get Chris Jericho on like the TNT pregame show. Sure. Like I'm, I was gassing this dude up at, at, at every turn. And Guess he's not the, an athletic subscriber. Well, the no, the idea that he just saw, he saw something from me and was like, nope, I don't need this guy in my life at all. <laughs> Be gone. Yeah. Was, uh, was heartbreaking. But he also isn't a colleague. He isn't, uh, like I said, a, a, a radio <laughs> voice of... A Western Conference team, which is something that you're dealing with right now. It was very uncomfortable. It's like, so uh, our guest in the second segment actually won't be here. Now I have two follow-up questions before we move on. Okay. Are you still blocked by Bobby Flay and Bobby Bacala? (laughs) I am. Yes. (laughs) Bobby Flay unblocked me at some point. Um few years ago uh one of my hobbies was uh watching beat bobby flay while i drank and i and i may have said some <laughs> uh unnecessarily aggressive things i do think he cheats on that show i don't know if anybody's i don't know if anybody's watched it how familiar you are you, you just are put that. so many chi- like it's just if there's what like chilies in yeah, there then everyone it. knows that it's bobby everyone knows because there's it's chilies bo- in it's there. bogus it's bogus he's tipping off the judges because it's like whatever he's making someone's like spicy apple pie someone's signature dish is you know a shepherd's pie or something and he throws ancho chilies in there and it's like the signal to whoever the judge is like oh this is bobby's you better pick it and i said as much and also there might have been some light threats of uh cartoonish threats of physical violence i would say <laughs> and uh he saw that and didn't appreciate. I don't blame him. I deserve. I deserve that one. Can I say what the tweet was, or is that? Yeah, go ahead. Sean <laughs> tweeted, "I'd like to beat Bobby Flay." <laughs> Could have been talking about the cooking competition. Who knows? <laughs> and then the, just, yeah, if the, you're ever bored and feeling a little down, just search Sean Gentilly Bobby Flay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, going through it back in 2015 or whatever it was. Yeah, this was pre-pandemic. This wasn't like a COVID like depression. No, 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 no. And yes, anyway, I also have been Bobby Bacala is a sad one. Also, uh, Steve Steve Shripa, aka Bobby <laughs> Bacala of Sopranos fame, 
I just made a joke about his podcast, which I thought was very, very lighthearted and very funny. And, and you wonderful. love that podcast. I love that. <laughs> I went and saw him live. I went and saw him and Michael Imperioli do a live recording of, of this podcast and just made it the entire, the dynamic of the podcast is that Imperioli is this very like thoughtful, uh, professorial, like he's a practicing Buddhist and he's like this like super duper, you know, um, thoughtful guy and Bakula is just Except like a strip strip is just like a house on fire he's telling funny stories and whatever and i basically just made a joke about that and i guess strip thought i was calling him stupid and yeah he blocked my ass so anyways that's very Chris Jericho, sad bobby Bakula, no longer bobby flame <laughs> <or> the, <laughs> is, the, is the triumvirate i feel like it's been a long time since we've talked about random things off the top i think it's always fun to do that right before we get into the You don't have talk. to apologize for being a normal person on on this on this thing. This isn't the radio. This isn't you, you don't have an interview coming up with again someone who blocked you on Twitter. Uh you don't have to worry about it. You can Very spend uncomfortable. a few minutes talking about normal person things. Anyways. So, one little piece of news we're going to talk about off the top here. We don't have a guest this week by the way. It's just Sean and I. We apologize in advance. You don't like listening to us talk. If you like a little, and we'll bring in Danielle to break it up. I apologize. Okay, so one piece of news we heard on the Jeff Merrick show on Sportsnet today was uh, Jeff. He has Elliot Friedman on every day, and one of the things that they were discussing is would Rick Tockett be a fit, a realistic fit, a realistic option for the Vancouver Canucks if they end up replacing Bruce Boudreau. What have you heard? What do you know? Rick Tockett, Vancouver Canucks. We know Vancouver's on this, you know, extended road trip. Your thoughts on all the the whispers about Rick Tockett? Well, you you gave me a homework assignment and I worked at it. And uh, this is what I think, Jeff. Uh, I I think that Vancouver and Rick Tockett had some discussions a while ago. They didn't go anywhere. I think Vancouver talked to a few coaches who were available potential coaches who were available. And I, I think they re-engaged with Tockett. And the best way I could put it right now is I think it's in the Canucks' hands. Do they want to do it or not? And I don't think it's imminent. I, I think if they make a change, it's still probably a couple of weeks away. Uh, but I, and again, I want to say if they make a change, I think it's a couple of weeks away. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to Rick Tockett, I think it's a decision that's up to the Canucks. Sean, do you think Rick Tockett would be a good fit behind the Canucks bench? I mean, that's like the zillion dollar question at this point, I suppose. Um, in a vacuum, yeah, I do. I think a lot of things he did with Pittsburgh in particular, where he was an assistant to Mike Sullivan for several years, won, won a couple cups, built back a reputation. As kind of, well, I, here, here's what I'll say. But he he was the coach of the, of the Tampa Bay Lightning for a few years. He got... he left that job in 2010. The, the Lightning were a disaster at that point. There was an ownership change going on. You know, it was a mess. Uh, so that was kind of how Tockett resurfaced in Pittsburgh. He was also... Yeah, you know what's... What, what, I, I, let me take a step back. What's worth, what's worth saying here is that Rick Tockett was an assistant in Pittsburgh under Mike Johnston because Jim Rutherford told Mike Johnston that if you come here and you take this job, Rick Tockett is going to be on your bench. He's he's going to be your assistant. That was like a non-negotiable thing coming from Jim Rutherford, 
who coincidentally running the show in Vancouver now. So Rick Tockett was hired before a Penguins coach, survived that Penguins coach getting fired, ended up being the top lieutenant for Mike Sullivan, where he was really effective in that role for years. He was the good cop to Sullivan's bad cop. I think he was a really nice buffer for players who maybe would get, you know, Sullivan, he's a, he's a, he's a hard ass and his stuff can, in, 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 like with any hard ass coach, the messaging can sometimes, you know, wear on guys, honestly. And I think Tockett was kind of a necessary bit of buffer between, at times, between Sullivan and the players. And the other thing, and I think this is why this is particularly relevant to Vancouver, is that he was great with Phil Kessel. Great with Phil Kessel. Mm. The Phil Kessel and Mike Sullivan dynamic blows up long before its, you know, eventual expiration date. If Rick Tockett isn't around to be the, the Phil whisperer. So, again, in a vacuum, I look at this and I say, this is a guy that makes sense. He has a way of connecting with players. He has a way of connecting with star players because he was a star player. And I think that's what, that's a big chunk of what is needed in Vancouver. Like, you need to get all these guys on the same page. I can imagine Rick Tockett dealing with JT Miller a lot better than Bruce Boudreaux has. Like, on and on. Like, you, you look at the top of the lineup, I think Tockett's a fit there. The problem for me and, and Haley, like I, I maybe I know you can jump in on this, is that Vancouver's problems go beyond that. Defense, their defensive systems are atrocious. Yeah, the game that they just played here, coincidentally in Pittsburgh, was abysmal. Somehow, no one was surprised. By the way, oh they my god, blew that three nothing. They were up three nothing in the first period and blew that lead in the first period, and I think that is probably the biggest statement about the state of the Canucks right now. Is no one was surprised. <laughs> not just was no one surprised Spencer Martin who's who's there who was in net that night gave up five goals for them which is you know you look at that you say not a great night it was still somehow 1.14 goals against above expected Jeez. so he yeah they can't a, defend the average goalie having an average night in there does way worse so that was that, that somehow would have been even it's it's crazy it's crazy how lost this team looks truly one of the worst offensive teams you can imagine i don't know i don't know what talk it helps there i don't know if he can and i think it's a good it's so tough because at what point do we have the conversation around like is this a coaching problem in vancouver Mm -hmm. how many coaches can a similar group of players go through it's a fair question to ask i think if you look at their problems like in totality though you look at Bruce Boudreau, who's never been known as a defensive coach, who's always no. had struggles. And he very clearly, sorry to cut you off, Sean, but no, Bruce no. like very clearly isn't and has not been the answer in terms of finding a fix for this Canucks team. It's not even a matter, you're right, and it's not even a matter to me of whether Bruce should say, because he shouldn't, he's gone. Like it's just do him, you know, whether it's, I know Elliot said, you know, it Nothing's seems like- imminent. Nothing's right. imminent. They're going to make that decision in a couple of weeks. I know they're on a road just, trip right now. Just I, like whatever. how many Do times it. are we going to talk about like Bruce too? You know, it's a joke. Uh, one of the conversations, Halford and Breff were talking about this on the mm-hmm. radio, Sportsnet radio hosts. You go on their show all the time, and the big topic this morning is like or yesterday, when are they just going to mercy fire Bruce Boudreaux? It's painful. It's painful. Let it's the assistant and, and you know what? Don't even hire a coach. Let the assistant take over for the rest of the year. It's done. This team stinks. Yep, and I think that's... Sell think what that, you can, let the have have a mass exodus, 
regroup in the off season. Mm-hmm. Like the Canucks keep making these mistakes in the middle of the year. And I think the worst thing for this Canucks team last year, besides the JT Miller contract <laughs> extension, Other well, that was that. in the summer, I should say. Uh, yeah. Besides not trading, not trading JT, JT Miller, Miller at the deadline is what I should say was how good they got at the end of the season because this was the players essentially saying like, look at what we can do and we click. Like, give us another shot. Look what we can do. And it was just, they should have just been crap because then maybe more things would have happened because look at them now. They're they're bad. They're objectively bad. Totally. And I know like I just gassed up talk it. Whatever. He's a, he's a good coach. He's pretty, he's one of the better parts of, of the TNT uh, intermission in pregame show for whatever that's worth. And he's also has a lot of friends in the media because he's very approachable and he's, and he's personable yes. and, he, and he's easy to get a hold of. Like there's a reason that Rick Tockett's name keeps coming up for, for all these jobs. Mm-hmm. And I know I People just like gas him up. I know I just gas him up for a while. Like maybe do a real search, you know, like Take hold off. Summer. You're not salvaging anything. That's the weirdest part of all this. And it's like, yeah. a, it's a weird tone i think in spots of the coverage of that team honestly where i get it because the west the pacific is like not very good and there's like and there's you know a lot of teams playing below you know below their below their potential there i get that i I got the desire i think until a couple weeks ago to see like say like what is 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 there anything worth salvaging here no there's no there's not it's over and i see i saw some people on twitter i was just kind of name searching rick talkett I never name search myself. I was name searching Rick Tockett. And there's a couple of people being like, um, don't we need to consider that he, you know, him and Oliver Ekman Larson and their relationship? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Who cares? No. Is Ekman Larson really the guy that you're hinging the future in your coaching decisions around? That shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. That shouldn't be any sort of consideration for shouldn't good or be. for ill, right? Like that's no. just not, that just shouldn't, that just shouldn't matter. He's not um, the guy that you should be basing these decisions around. The whole situation, like I said, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And I know Greg Wachinski, our buddy, called them the biggest disappointment in the league in a in a post for ESPN, which was it was a and it's a great fun, you know, set of set of awards that he handed out, which we will be doing in segment two, by the way. His biggest, but his biggest disappointment was the Canucks, and I don't see it. I don't see them. I like. Are they terrible? Absolutely. But I think there was always. If a you distinct... expected the Canucks to be a playoff team this season, you were kidding yourself. Absolutely. And also, if you look at the way the coaching situation went over the summer, to me was just like red flags all over the place. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Because Boudreaux and Hilly said this. The way they played at the, at the end of, the, of the, at the end of the season forced Rutherford's hand, and he got backed into a situation where he didn't really have much of a choice because it was, uh, I you know Bruce's contract had a coach option on it. So mm-hmm. like, what's he what's he gonna do? Like the, yeah. the choice the choice was made for him. And there was reasonably the plenty of stuff happened over that off season where you know over the off season where there's a reason that it took Bruce Boudreaux so long to exercise that option on his contract. Sure. It's just cruising for disaster, and I'm, I'm. Am I surprised that they're as bad as they are? Maybe a little. Am I surprised that this that this has just gone sideways no. from the start? I don't think so. I didn't have them as a Western Conference playoff team. 
Um, I had the Jets as a playoff team. It came down to them and the Jets. Like, and I just I went with I went with talent. I I didn't think they're I, I didn't think they were a contender. I didn't I didn't see. Really... I went with the coach. I went with the coach and the goalie and Van oh, well, Look how smart you are. Wait a minute. Thank you, thank you, Connor Hallibuck, and thank I you, Rick Bonus. Yes. Blah blah blah. Uh, whatever. Anyways, we heard from Jim Rutherford this week again. Everybody loves when Jim talks. Just talking about, um, essentially, like, <laughs> there's lots of work to be done here. And he's right. Uh, but let's move on from Vancouver and look at our Philadelphia Flyers. Now, when I saw the announcement of who the coaches were going to be for the All-Star game, I was ticked off. You'd really, really Huge off. off. You know what? Cheesed off. Rod Brindamore, we can call him a friend of the show. <laughs> sure. Think- I think we can say that he should not have been he liked the you. Metro coach. I don't okay. think so. I think he probably thought I was dumb. No, he that that's one that liked you more than me, if I remember correctly. So no. Rod, so Rod's the Metro coach. He is called right? me out. Remember from my Brent Burns thing? Does that out of love? But he also gave you a lot of credit on things too. I, yeah, I I think I was just along for the ride. Like he was clear. <laughs> he was like this guy's this guy's furniture. The other ones, the other ones, is the, is the dynamic personality. What what why'd you bring up Rod? Hear me out. Hear me out. Rod Brindamore is the Metropolitan Division coach for the All Star Game. With respect to Rod, it <laughs> yeah. should have been John Tortorella. Because <laughs> his penance, Cute major L. They should have deviated. The they should have deviated from the system where the where the is that what it is? The whoever's leading the division ends up ends up coaching the team. Oh, points I percentage. have no idea. Point percentage. That's not sure is. if I care. But right when we put this in the power rankings last week. We kicked Dom out for the week. I joined in. It was lots of fun. And there was the quote someone asked about <laughs> Travis Konechny was having a great season. Uh, had a hat trick the other night for the Flyers. Uh, somebody asked John Tortorella if he was disappointed in the snub for Konechny. And he basically was just like, I don't give a shit about the All-Star game. I don't watch it. I don't like what it's become. I don't care. And then he basically ended the press conference because somebody followed up. And he was just like, meh. And then left. I think that was a mistake. I think they should have just made John Tortorella coach because it would have been really funny. Just more, more shade directed at Kevin Hayes because <laughs> because he's who he's who their all star is, and he's like, oh, actually, yeah. this, this player who I just complained about. Also, I don't care about the all star game either. Oh God, why am I in the tank so bad for John Tortorella? Why? Why does his shit still work on me? Why do I still think he's funny? You're a slave to Big Tortorella. <laughs> <laughs> like big big day. I'm not yeah i get him it. a large man <laughs> anyways <laughs> the latest in torts land uh no ipads on the bench john tortorello versus technology <laughs> volume seven i i don't hate honestly when i'm watching the game and i see guys like watching like taking a look at the shift to see what they messed up if they need to improve something sure but I th- always find it a bit weird to see guys sitting on the bench looking at their iPads. I don't hate this from John Tortorella. Like his whole point was like they're focusing too much on the last shift. Just focus on the next one. And I think that's a fair thing to say. He's just trying to get the guys to stop. Like when you think of it, like you need to just stop thinking about what you maybe messed up and just think about what you're going to do on your next shift or think, watch the game. I don't. Who I the, hate technology. <laughs> who is our previous the the most high, the most uh, high profile example of 
a hockey man versus an iPad that we've seen so far. It was when Chris when Chris Kreider ripped the iPad out of Zabanajad's hands yeah. during the playoffs. Chris it, it, Kreider, it, it, that is a John Tortorella player. Let me tell you. I don't uh, have a problem with, with Tortorella doing that, honestly. I don't either. I think it's maybe throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. Like, there's probably something you can use him for. But it is funny to imagine, like, John Tortorella limiting his kids' screen time or something. Like, like he's, like he's, These, a, like there he's is a dad with a more. five-year-old. Ugh. Yeah. You're only you know what? John Tortorella's 15... kids don't have iPads. And that is good parenting move. Joel Farabee, you're only allowed to watch... You're yeah. only allowed to watch five minutes of Coco Melon on the bench per period. <laughs> Other than that, Coco Melon, those vegetables um, that just dance. Yeah. The, no. What are those called? <laughs> I don't know. Veggie tails. Veggie. No, not the veggie tails. No, 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 those are the Christian vegetables, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's the hay bear sensory funky veggies fun dance whatever and you just like put that on for your kids to just like watch the carrots and the peas and the corns just like dance around corns sometimes i watch it when i'm feeling down very weird um but yeah i don't know i like i like i said a couple minutes ago tortorella's shit just works on me generally it's embarrassing i wish it i wish it didn't but i'm on board but i get it I think there's I think I think there's some benefits to it and I understand the logic behind it. But it it is it's funny. It's just it's just looped right in with Torts raging against modernity, which is I feel like been it's been an ongoing theme with him. Yeah. I'll take yeah. it though. It's fun. I don't hate it. Mm. I don't think there was any other news we missed. We're recording this again on Thursday night. It's posting Friday morning. That's why the podcast is called Friday. I don't think we missed any news, so let's go to break and we'll come back. And we're going to hand out some mid-season awards. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's segment two. It's Friday. Before we get into our awards, just got to say, I bought myself one of those really stupidly large water bottles. That has like the time slots on it. To t- <laughs> it's like 8 a.m. Get ready to go. Start drinking your water. It's like 2 p.m. You can do it. 6 p.m. <laughs> almost PM. there. Like it's really slay, slay girl. It's a girl yeah. boss water bottle that you got at like Target or whatever. Yeah, it's like super. Yeah, I got this for uh, four U.S. dollars at Target. And um, yeah, it's kind of dumb. 
But I've got to say, as a person who doesn't drink water, I feel great. Yeah. You're, it's amazing what, what drinking, you know, 48 ounces of water a day will do yeah. for and a person. And you should be drinking more. So. <laughs> Anyways, I feel great. If you're noticing like an energy bump today in this edition, it's because I'm properly hydrated. So welcome back to the show. We're going to dole out some mid-season awards. We're going to do three. We're not going to go too far off the board because, again, yes, this is, you know, the midpoint of the season. I guess I should say that. It's a podcast host. The other day marked the official midway point of the NHL season. Some teams are still at, like, game 39, game 40. Other teams trickling in 41, 42, 43. So, yeah, we're halfway through the NHL season. We're going to judge some teams. Mm -hmm. Starting with the most disappointing team. Sean Gentilly, who is it? Oh, it's the Panthers. It's right. not even close. It's not and the it, Canucks. <laughs> it's not the Canucks. Uh, there's a similar... I will say, though, like this is worse for the Panthers, I feel like, than maybe people... than maybe people anticipated. The The dialogue surrounding them was, you know, you looked at their offseason. You looked at the fact that they did give away two pretty big pieces to get Matthew Kachuk, as great, great as he's been. They had people leaving free agency. They have the ongoing question marks and goal with because who knows what version of Bobrovsky you're getting on a given night and Spencer Knight is unproven and all that stuff. People, I think people internalized all that, saw that mm -hmm. they hired Paul Maurice, who's, you know, been a mix. He's won a lot of games and lost a lot of games too uh, over, his, over his career. And I think people had them kind of, they put a pin in them, right? When you looked at it, moving out their first round pick, this year to, to Montreal. I think people realize that there is the possibility for disaster there. Right. But to intellectually understand that until then to see where they are on January 12th after winning the president's trophy last year, which is there, they're squarely outside the playoff, the playoff picture. They're 500 points percentage. They're, you know, behind the Sabres and tied, and they're tied with the Sabres and one point ahead of the Red Wings and the Atlantic standings. Like, to see all that in practice and look at all the things that have gone wrong mm -hmm. uh, on that roster is is really something else. I, I was expecting more from them. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, it's a mixed bag of things that went wrong. Like, I don't think it's, I think it's overly simplistic to suggest that, you know, oh, you know, letting Brunette go and bringing in Paul Maurice was a was the huge issue. Maybe that's part of it, but I think you look at how many players went out the door in the off season in terms of Ben Sherratt and Claude Giroux. Whatever you think or feel about those players is kind of you know irrelevant. Yeah, it's material, yeah, right. Um, because they're gone, <laughs> and then you move out. You know, sure, you get the best piece in the the blockbuster deal in Matthew Kachuk, but you also moved out two significant pieces as well. So you're losing, you know, that volume of of quality mm -hmm. from your roster as well. And things just haven't worked out there. There's some bad luck involved with the injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. You haven't seen Duclair yet, but their cap situation is a mess too. Disaster. And that was kind of the whole point of moving out Huberto and Uyghur because you were only going to be able to afford one of them. So it's like, okay, well, let's just get Matthew Kachuk instead, but your right. cap space is still a disaster, and they don't have a first-round draft pick. 
I mean, they said whenever Duclair got hurt, I think that's what the logic was there. It was, it made people forget that they still hadn't completely addressed their cap problems because they could, you could just say, all right, we're, this is a problem for future Bill Zito and future Paul Maurice. We'll deal with this in January or February or whatever. We'll put Duclair on long-term injury reserve and just address the problem whenever we have to address. And I think people forgot about it. So now, now we're at a point where he's on the verge of coming back and they're going to have to send out salary or trade Anthony Duclair or whether it's trading Anthony Duclair would get you a first rounder. Don't you think? Um, solves your cap space issue gets you an asset that you probably really need right now. If they could do that, I would imagine they would, but like they've, but teams have them over the barrel too. That's part of it. They know that, you know, they're yeah, not they negotiating a from a position of strength here. Like, but last time all. we said that, look at what happened. That's true. The flames, you know. I, the the whole situation though is just it's a mess because you look at how many individual players have regressed this season, and maybe that's a Maurice thing. Maybe it's just a natural a natural thing. Blame the player, whatever. The results are what they are, and you have a significant amount of players that are worse now than they have been in the past. It's led by Aaron Eckblad, who has been bad in is seems like he's really fighting it just in general. Uncharacteristically bad. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Eckblad's a good player. Like, if there's one thing we've learned about him over the last three seasons or so when, when he's been healthy, like, the that decision has been made. Aaron Eckblad is a, is a top-shelf, yeah. you know, defenseman in, in the NHL, but he he hasn't been up. So there's, there's that. The power play is continuing to be an issue. That's what went flat down the stretch for them one of the things that went flat down the stretch for them in the playoffs that hasn't been fixed yet. And the goaltending has been bad. <laughs> yep. Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky are both sub mediocre when it comes across the board, save percentage goal saved above expected. Those guys are in the fifties and sixties and that stat league wide. It's not good. Not a lot of stuff is going right beyond Matthew Kachuk and Brandon Montour's point totals. Got, yeah. Brandon Montour is the is the one thing on that team other than Matthew Kachuk, or the one player who you can look at definitively and say this guy has gotten better and and produced and produced more under the current system. Everybody else has regressed, and I and I'm not totally surprised by it because you said like we talked about. There's a lot of roster attrition. There's a lot of variables, but I did not think that we were going to be talking about them on January 12th as a team that's behind the Buffalo Sabers and and down with the Detroits and Ottawa's of the world when it comes when it comes to the wild card stands. Was not expecting them to be that bad. So the Panthers have gone from the President's Trophy winners to yeah. a 500 hockey team that currently as of Thursday night before the slate of games is uh fifth in the wild card sandwich between Buffalo, Detroit, Philly, Ottawa. They have one mentioned. more point than the Flyers and they play the yep. same amount of games. Yeah. Wild. So most disappointing team is the Florida Panthers for sure. Um, most surprising team, like pl- we should, we could use this as a most pleasant surprise this season. A team like a dark horse team that maybe snuck up on you. I mean, it's the Jets. I, I want to hear you talk about the Jets because the that's your. <laughs> Apparently that that's was my your, team. <laughs> that's your. T- it is. You went on the. You went on TV and talked about them. You I talked know. about them here, like. I felt like such a dumb dumb. I got off air and went, oh my God, did I just disagree with everyone and say that the Jets are actually going to be a playoff team? And it was because I looked at that team 
And they didn't make any changes in the offseason, save for stripping Blake Wheeler of the sea and, and losing Paul Stasny and a couple other things. But there wasn't really any major improvements to that Jets roster on paper. The only change was they got a new coach in Rick Bonus, who, after talking to Murat, we know that he came in and told us a lot of the things that he's changing around there. And I just looked at the way that the Dallas Stars played yep. with under Rick Bonus and the way that Jake Ottinger played as well. Like that's a really good goalie, way younger, doesn't have the same pedigree as Connor Hellebuck. So I looked at a team with on paper more offensive weapons in terms of like Kyle Connor, uh, Mark Shifley, whoever you want to put down there, um, Nikolai Ehlers, even though he's been out. And I just looked like this is a team that probably has more goal scoring ability than we saw last year with a better goalie than the Dallas Stars. Everybody loves Jake Ottinger. He's incredible. But Connor Hellebuck's a Vesna trophy winner. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I just thought this is a recipe for success. The Winnipeg Jets are going to be so freaking annoying next season. I was like, I think they're going to play Rick bonus hockey, maybe an improved or changed version of it based on the personnel that he has in Winnipeg. With an elite goaltender. An elite goaltender is back to playing right. like an elite goaltender too, by the way. Yeah, like, Hellebuck like had they a didn't dip. Get, they didn't get Vezina Hellebuck last year. No. And they're getting him, they're getting him this year. He's in yeah, the 924 save percentage. You know, fifth in the league and or fourth in the league in goals hit the love expected. Like he's just back to, you know, Vezina finalist, you know, right in yeah, pen. At this absolutely. Point. As a side note, I think if you're a Flames fan and you're worried about Jacob Markstrom long term, I know it's a different dip. I think Markstrom has been worse this year than Hellebuck was last year. But that's probably what you're looking at to be like, he's going to be okay. Because like even Connor Hellebuck's had a down year. But again, those were different. Hellebuck's been elite and Hellebuck, and Hellebuck longer. Too, like, Hellebuck too, I think last year is instructive for people. And if you want to see, I'm not, I'm not, Discounting save percentage here because that's a very important stat. But this is why you it helps to look at save percentage in conjunction with goal saved above expected because Hellebuck was okay in the latter and not so good in the former, and that is indicative of a terrible defensive team, right? And that's yeah, what Winnipeg gives you was a better sense of the environment in which the goalie is playing in. Yep, which is he's important. facing high quality shots. He's facing a lot, and and it's not just he's facing a lot of shots; it's he's facing a lot of really good shots, right? So Hellebuck didn't stink last year but he also was not he wasn't good enough to wallpaper over over their mistakes he's back in that mode this year and also the team around him is playing better like period that's it i but my question for you though honestly is why maybe maybe not why what about winnipeg surprises you more than seattle i honestly the answer probably is seattle however i think if i look at those two teams i know these are mid-season awards we're not projecting out who's going to end up being better and more surprising um i feel like winnipeg is gonna hold on to this longer like i see what they're doing is more sustainable i think if you look under the hood a bit everyone keeps talking about how great martin jones is um he's and how great philip grubauer he's much improved 
And I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I had a really long conversation with somebody at ClearSight Analytics. And it's all just relative to what Kraken mm-hmm. fans were used to last year. <laughs> Philip Grubauer was so bad last year that Martin Jones is like, oh my God, where would we be without Martin Jones throughout the season? Philip Grubauer, I did find it. So ClearSight uses a, you know, a different model and, and they track things far different than, than the NHL does. Um, and one of the things they do is the expected goal differential. So instead of mm-hmm. the XG rate or expe- saves goals saved above expected, blah, blah, blah. It's the, ex- the, the expected goal differential. Last season, Philip Grubauer was a negative 25 expected goal differential. Is that bad? Negative 25. That was the worst in the league. Martin Jones has been significantly better than that, but he's still like a below average goalie 100%. this season. And Grubauer has been much improved, but I think at some point it makes you wonder, <laughs> is something going to start to catch up in Seattle a bit? I think I'm a bit more of a crack and truther than other people. I think they added, I think what Ron Francis did in the off season was look at, okay, where did we fall short? We're like a goal short. You know, we don't have enough goal scoring. We had a bunch of injuries on the blue line. Like what, or, I mean, not on the blue line, excuse me. It was mm-hmm. in their forward group with Brandon Tanev and, and Schwartz. So they go out and they add Bjorkstrand in a really smart trade. And then they go out and I mean, Maddie Beneers has stuck and played really well. And they add Andre Burakovsky. And now the Seattle Kraken have the third most goals scored per game in the NHL this season. And when you look at like Grubauer and Martin Jones, part of the reason why those goalies look so good is they actually don't have to face a ton. They're actually living and playing in pretty decent environments for goaltenders. And so I think those are actually things that are quite sustainable. Um, you know, they're not way out kicking their coverage in terms of their goal scoring. They're getting it from up and down the lineup. It's not just Maddie Beneers. It's not just Burakovsky. It's Eberly and, and Bjorkstrand. Yeah, while they're coming. getting vague, vaguely competent they're getting average. At times. They're getting average goaltending. And it's enough mm. because they've, they're have they scoring three goals a game, like 3.6 goals a game. Martin um, Jones. Martin Jones, by the way, since since November 17th, he's played in 16 games. He has an 883 save percentage in those games. But it's better than Grubauer last year. He is 12 1 and 1 in those games. Yeah. Like that's what like that is there is there's but enough the strength surrounding consistently him. Consistently been Yeah, they've consistently been scoring at that rate all season. Yep. It's not like they've just all of a sudden been get giving him run support. So, yeah, do you are you concerned about an 880 save percentage for sure, especially if the Kraken are playing as, you know, defensively sound and structured? as people discuss them to be not great, wouldn't be great in the playoffs. But again, I think the narrative around Martin Jones being kind of the savior at points this season. Again, I see Kraken fans talking about like, where would we be without Martin Jones this year? And it's because yeah, you could stick <laughs> his it. You, average goaltending is far better than Philip Grubauer last year. You could stick a shooter tutor in there and he'd be, you know, <laughs> Outperforming Grubauer last year. Martin Jones, by the way, he's been. I, I will say, in his defense, I totally agree. I, I agree with everything you said. In his last five games, he's been legitimately good. In, in the fact that he is, he he's put up a nine thirty four save percentage. He's got. He's won his last five starts. He is still, despite that hot run, he's still under nine hundred on the season, yeah. significantly. 
So, so wild. I do think because of where they were and where they are right now, we probably walk that back and say that the Kraken are the best pleasant surprise because they're fun to watch. They had that wildly high scoring game against the LA Kings. Maddie Beniers has been fun to watch. Even the goaltending being a little bit better. I do think probably the most pleasant surprise team is actually the Seattle Kraken because they were such a freaking disappointment in year one. And I think we start, I think we're, we're going to get to a point where, and we've got to move on from this to get to the rest of the awards, the last award, the last one, um, the last <laughs> final award. Um, I think it'll be interesting when we get to a point where we can really discuss and like revisit the way we evaluated the Kraken's draft strategy. Ron Francis got hammered last year. Why didn't you get Vladimir Tarasenko? Look at everything they left on the board. How much better would they have been if they would have went the Vegas route? Well, guess what? They went their own route and they've got Maddie Beniers playing on the top line right now. And Vladimir Tarasenko, sure, he played better last year. But is that really the player that you want to build around for the future? I think we're going to get to a point where you can revisit the draft strategy and we're going to say that it wasn't as bad as we thought because we look at the Vegas Golden Knights and they're top in the Pacific and they're playing great. But what kind of cupboard did they have? Like the Kraken maybe didn't go about it in the way that people wanted for the fun factor and the immediate contention window. But I think they went about it and said, how are we going to build a roster that it's going to be competitive in the long term? Like we don't want to just get to the playoffs early and then completely die off because we don't have anything like we're going to get to a point where we're going to look at the Kraken and they've built something and they're going to have draft picks and prospects and cap space, whatever we want to look at. And the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be out of that window of contention with a bunch of old expensive deals on the books. For me, there's a middle ground there. I I think he, I think there are absolutely some decisions that they made in the, in the expansion draft that were just, are, like, are what's gonna... one that still sticks with you? Because it's not Tarasenko. It is Tarasenko. Trade him. It is Tarasenko. Pick those guys and trade them. Don't like. I I know they value. I know they value cap space. Whatever. Move them. I think the way that he played last season is why you say why didn't you take Tarasenko? But look at how he played the year before, heading into the expansion draft. Or am I getting my years mixed up? He was on a down year heading yeah, into expansion, he was. wasn't he? Oh, he? Yeah, he was. So he how was, are they supposed injured. to project that he was going to end up? you know, actually be healthy and lights out and have trade value because the blues were trying to trade him for a while. Right. You roll the dice and you say, we're going to play that. We're going to play this guy and then rehab his value and move him. Like there's, I, I'm, we're, yeah. we don't have to relitigate this. Like, I think this is just a situation. Oh, where we're doing we're, it. No is more wars. Whatever. We, we, we can't keep doing this, but it, well, this is <laughs> just a situation where we disagree. Honestly, I think the jet to me, the jets are more, more, are more surprising because I think the crack and always had the bones of a good team. They were let down primarily by primarily by goaltending and also by a lack of pop right at, at the top of the at the top of the sure. roster. They fi- fixed that. The goaltending they got from Grubauer last year was so bad that it was unsustainable. So I wasn't surprised to see them bounce. I didn't think the Jets were going to work with bonus. I flat like that like that's a okay. surprise to me. I thought Shifley was just that the whole the mix was bad there, and and I'm and I'm surprised it worked. And it's and it's fun. I'm I'm glad that it did because I like seeing. You know, team surprise people and make jumps up the standings, but I, but sure. personally, man, I was I'm I can't I can't believe they're doing it. Okay, good point. Um, and yeah, the point with like the the Kraken and the Golden Knights, not to say that I think the Kraken had a better draft than Vegas did, and that's not to say that the Kraken are going to win a Stanley Cup before Vegas, but I do think we're going to get to a point where we can like 
have a really good debate and conversation around each team's draft strategy in what the next three years, four years. Once we get a good chunk of seeing how things diverge, it'll be interesting. It's not just the draft strategy. It's what it's what they've done since, right? Sure. Like I, I think you can where you find fault with Vegas is what they did after. Suzuki would look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's sure. Absolutely. That's all. Right? And yes, you're right. It's not just the draft. It's just how they handled the, the first few years of of, yes. of running of running an NHL team. The final award. <clears throat> the best team in the league, not name the Boston Bruins because that's cheap. They are, you know, on pace for a potentially historic season in the NHL. I don't I don't care. I mean, I do hell, care. Hell of a hot They've take won 32. If <laughs> I actually think uh it's New Jersey. Uh the Bruins have won 32 of their first 40 games this season. <laughs> They're unbeaten in their division. It's horrifying. Gross. And the freaking Leafs, they've <laughs> We're not talking about the Leafs. No. Yes. You know what? Stop it. Yes, we are. (laughs) I think the Boston Bruins are like forcing teams like the Maple Leafs to just start implementing load management (laughs) because the Leafs are just like, well, Mm, we aren't going to win our division. We're not going to win the president's trophy. So let's just rest Austin Matthews for a couple of days. Good. Anyways, who's the best team not named the Boston Bruins, Sean? For me, it's the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, it there really is such a gap <laughs> between the Bruins and the re- and the rest of the league. But in a normal in a normal season, we'd be looking at Carolina points percentage like just a tick under seven hundred. Expected goals over sixty, actual goals over fifty six. They've done it without Freddie Anderson. They've done it with our buddy Peter Pietor as the as the starting goal. Chetkov. There we go. I was I was hoping I was hoping you'd help me there because I was going to screw that up. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. We should mention we would have talked about the 14 year old phenom from Slovakia with the Michigan, uh, but I don't know how to pronounce her last name. There's hopefully more coming to the Athletic on that on that young lady <laughs> in the next in the next little bit. With I would the say the pronouncer. The pronouncer. Hmm, Somebody teach me how to pronounce the pronouncer. I don't like I don't like butchering people's names. Me neither. So I'm just going to ignore it instead. I it's a disrespectful thing to do. It's yes, like willfully mispronounce someone's Anyways, the the yeah, Sean, continue the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I like what they've done. I like what they're primed to do. I think that's I think that's a big thing. I think if wait for you, Max Pacioretty to be like healthy and clicking, clicking too. Patrietti clicking Freddie Anderson back in the mix. They activated him a couple days ago. I like the outlook for the Carolina Hurricanes as much as you could in a conference with the rolling juggernaut known as the as the, as the Boston Bruins. And I do not acknowledge the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I do not acknowledge the Western Conference. I was going to say, like, why? Goaltending. Goaltending. Why not the Leafs? Goaltending. Anything else? Care to explain? <laughs> Tending the goal. <laughs> Matt Murray's not good. Sorry. He played well last night. Sure. He if got you the see, first you star here, in the athletics I, report cards. Uh-huh. We'll see, we'll see what happens. He, he's, he's not playing tonight, I would imagine. Um, now it's a back-to-back. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to sign off on a team with a hole that glaring in, in a... 
in a problem that is revealing itself even more completely over the last few weeks is the main place. It's not happening. Goalies count two. Carolina seems to have two of them. And Potentially I three. I don't think Toronto's got one. So, sorry. I think you opt for the goalie tandem that won the Jennings last year. Yep. Over two reclamation projects in goal in Toronto, regardless of how you feel like they've playing been playing poorly. this year. We're playing poorly at the moment. Yeah. And have been and have been really since since for the last however many. You can't do it. Again, Matt Murray had a really good game last night. He out goalied UC Saros, which I don't think anyone going into the game thought he was gonna do that. But yeah, from December fifteenth onward, the, the goalie numbers don't look good in Toronto. More on that potentially on the athletic. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say also coming to the athletic. Yeah. If I can get my shit together and off this podcast. You're also pro yeah, hurricanes. We're, we're we're in agreement there. There was a point where I was like really leaning in on the devils and I and I do think that they've they've obviously dipped, um, but then they had a good game, beat the Carolina Hurricanes the other day. Yeah. But I, I still go with Carolina. I went into this season thinking that the Hurricanes were gonna finally kind of take that jump that we've been waiting for them to have, yep. at least when it comes to the postseason. Yep. They're not just gonna make it to the second round and and be done this year. I don't think I think they've I think they've had the internal growth to be better and I think they've added the right pieces. Absolutely. So Martin H is leveling up, I guess. That's a big thing. And then Well yeah, that's the internal growth, right? Like they've absolutely. got guys who are leveling up, um, playing better. Rod Brennamore is probably the best coach in the league. Yeah. One of and the they, best coaches, we should say. And they added Brent Burns. They haven't done any of this with Max Pacioretty. Like yeah. the so f- in terms of future focus, in terms of the way they've played the the the, the first couple months, the first few months of, of the schedule here, they're those are my guys. Do you think they can do anything at the deadline or are they kind of they're pretty capped? I don't have cat friendly in front of me. Uh they are capped out and I know that uh there was some stuff that I, I at the end of the off season, whenever there was some trade stuff popping around, I I think people expect them to 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 get involved, but the cap the cap. Well, they were in on like they, they were they were one of the three teams talking about Matthew. Kuchuk. Yeah, I, I wasn't talking about Kachuk, but like I but yeah, they're oh. they're pretty. Ooh, what are you talking about? Text me link twice if it was about. <laughs> uh, they're team. projected to have more than two million. At the at the deadline, that stuff always changes. You know, whatever. Anthony Duclair only makes three point something. Florida can retain a little salary. They can throw throw a first round. See, that's the Anthony Duclair trade to me. Florida keeps a little bit of salary, gets the first round pick back. Hmm. Interesting. Is that going too far into the like? Let's add some scoring wingers to the lineup direction, though. I don't think so. I mean, I I, I think the Duclair trade is to Calgary. If you're a Flames yeah, fan, you're like, give me Anthony seems, Duclair. It's like, the freaking like perfect the fit. A scoring winger with speed, who's a right shot, who doesn't cost that much money. Oh my! It's yeah, Anthony I, I Duclair. I, but who are you going to bump down? I mean, you're not going to move Seth Jarvis or Martin Natchez out of the top six. Third line, Anthony Duclair with Jordan Stahl and Jordan Martinuk. Is that a fit? It's interesting. I don't know. I, I think they don't. I mean, whatever. The 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 money's going to be an issue. I think in a perfect world, if you're them, I think you'd probably like to add a center, but who wouldn't? 
yeah i don't know we'll see maybe you don't touch yeah. anything they're great my they're favorite great. thing at the trade deadline where just like literally everyone's like well i do really think that the flames need to add top yeah. four defensemen and yeah. a top six scoring middle, winger who can middle six middle six center that Dom, dominic like, Moore for a third round pick that's like the yeah, classic like, the classic uh the classic deadline trade deal for me vladislav domestikov <laughs> defensive center who's cheap at the deadline. Do you deadline. know how many, I think there were three consecutive years that I wrote about the Penguins potentially the, about him Him as a guy that Pittsburgh should take a look at. There's a reason he gets traded at the deadline every year. Teams are like, ooh, he could do something for us. And then he doesn't. <laughs> he I mean, he does the team. role. He does the role that he is tapped to provide for the team in terms of being a bottom six center who can just play defense. Not and you move on. Screw up. Dominic Moore. We've got a draft that's coming up next on Friday. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the only good segment on the show. <laughs> Wait a second. Hey. <laughs> Sean, what day is it? Uh, Thursday. Say it. No. <laughs> if anyone no. listens to our show, you'll notice that Sean never actually says. I'm not, not, not down with the branding. <laughs> it's Friday. Just say it. It's fun. Our draft this week is <laughs> four rounds. We're building out the rest of our all-star rosters. We're taking four players total. We must take one from each division who was not on the initial roster. Yes. No goaltenders. Skaters only. Made the best we don't man. care about goalies. No, who cares? We don't care about this NHL is why goalies. Daniel we hates we me. don't care about NHL goalies and we don't care about rec league goalies either. I quit. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> but wait, I don't know how to edit the show. Sucker. Oh I'm just a oh talent. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Our audio is about to sound real bad. Yeah. Um, do I have the first round pick here? Yeah, you can have it this time. Okay. With the first overall selection from the Boston Bruins of the Atlantic Division, I select David Pasternak. Uh, you son of a bitch. Come on. Like, it's, it's the easiest. It's a no-brainer. No Didn't make the team for whatever reason. I know you want to... I think what you have there is that they wanted to reward uh, Linus Olmark for a solid... For a, a job well done so far this season. You don't want to have the, sure. the, the, the starting goalie on the best team in the league 
completely left out of the mix, which sure. I would imagine they were concerned about happening. And, they, and they're saying, all right, Pasternak's definitely going to get voted in. Star player, big time profile, plays for a team that has a huge fan base, blah, 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 blah assuming he's going to get in. Uh, I'll gladly take him. Dude has been unbelievable. He's making himself a million, a million dollars every night. I feel like we're, we're, you know, can't wait to see what happens for, for him in free agency. And he's a blast. He's a fun, he's so fun to watch when he's healthy and he's healthy as hell this year. So let's roll. I can't wait to see what fit he wears. It'll probably be a blue suit or salmon. Yeah, he wears, he wears colors actually. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't knock him. He, he actually does dress well. Yeah, he's not one of those guys that wears like, you know, no socks. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> he's wearing driving shoes. Oh. Yeah, look at those boat shoes. <laughs> Anywho, from the Pacific Division, Haley Salvian selects Leon Dreisaitl, yeah. who is not an all star as per the NHL. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> he has 63 points in 41 games. <laughs> burr, 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 in 41 he's crazy. I don't have anything to say other than Leon Dry, like Drysidel not being an all star is just a symptom of this every team gets one player policy that yeah. is not a real all star game. This is one of the things we got a bunch of comments when we did the power rankings last week. And there were some people, wild fans, who were surprisingly not on board with our Ryan Reeves fun pick. They were like upset yeah. that we didn't pick, you know, somebody. Zuccarello, yeah. I think. And there was a couple. There was a couple. Zuccarello was a big one. Um, and they're like, it's an all-star game. And it's like, uh, no, it's not. It's something for little kids to watch on Saturday night and enjoy themselves. That's all that's all that's yeah. all it is. Seth Jones is an all-star and Leon Dreisidel is not. I don't care about this because I um I grew up I grew up a huge baseball fan and also a huge Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And yeah. I know how much it meant to me as a child to see them get their obligatory one all-star, even when it stunk, even when it was Carlos Garcia or Ed Sprague or okay. whatever. These yeah, like random. Good point. Yeah. That's that's what yeah. matters. That's all that matters is for a 10 year old who roots, who roots for the, you know, for the Anaheim Ducks to, to, to see a player they like. That might not be the best example because it's eagers, but whatever. From the Vegas Golden Knights of the Pacific Division, I select Jack Eichel. Uh, missed some time. He's been, man, you, you see what he looks like when he's at his top, at his top level and you see what he adds to that team. So why you go out and trade for a guy like that? He's a star, baby. That's what this weekend's about. Put him on the roster. That's right. Um, okay, so with the fourth overall pick, second selection of the second round, Haley Salvian selects Adam Fox of the New York Rangers from the Metropolitan Division. I think I see what you're doing here. You haven't taken an Atlantic Division player yet. I think. I know what are you talking about? You know that I don't have a strategy. <laughs> Yeah, what is actually what is wrong with me? <laughs> oh, the things that I say. You silly goose. Okay, <laughs> round three. I'm not saying anything. We gotta make this quick. I've got a Leafs game to report grade. Oh. <laughs> report grade. You're flustering me. <laughs> Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> Ampus Linome. Oh. <laughs> Shit. Parties. I like Laffy Taffy. I actually do like Laffy Taffy. With the fifth overall pick, the first selection of round three, I select Rupa Hints from the Dallas Stars of the Central Division. 
I'm just trying to get him and Robertson and Pavelski <laughs> involved at the same time by hook or by crook. I want to see those guys play together as part of the four on four tournament all at once. Whatever mm-hmm. it takes. We got stars listeners here and I'm I'm pandering. I'm catering. Yeah, I was gonna call you out on that. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. You were absolutely being a star panderer. And that's fine. Whatever. Rupa Hintz deserves it. He does deserve um, it. Um okay. Six overall pick. Mm-hmm. Second selection of the third round. Uh William Nylander from the Atlantic. Thank you very much. Wow. Shocking, I know. I, I he's on honestly, a heater. He's having a great season. He's on pace to obliterate his previous season highs. He had two like the sale job on the primary assist for the game winner last night. Just made UC Saros and the entire Nashville Predators penalty kill unit commit mm-hmm. <laughs> and left Mitch Marner wide open. William Nylander deserves to be an NHL All Star this season. So. He's on my all-star team. I really thought you were going to take Matthews. Okay. No. Is that what you thought I was doing? You thought I was lining up to get Austin Matthews? you're setting yourself up to take Matthews. And he hasn't... Silly little boy. Not that he's been particularly good, but I I mean, I wouldn't mind having him on a four-on-four team. I co-hosted the morning show of Sportsnet 590 Fan in Toronto. And basically Mm -hmm. every day just asked (laughs) the listeners from the suburbs, like, why do you hate William Nylander? (laughs) Are you done yet? Hasn't he done enough? Anyways, it's the final round. Seventh overall pick from the New York Rangers. I select Artemi Panarin. I just like him. Why not? I think he's a guy who belongs and who he he pops in all star games too. He's got so much so much skill. Throw him out there. Um, I'm not trying to build a team here necessarily, but no, dude's a star. Belong, belongs there. Forty five points. It's fine. Way to go. The Metro, by the way, the the Metro. I know there there are people who who are going to probably drag me for that pick, but why the the Metro group is not great because you have a lot of, you have a lot of guys a lot of like I was going to say the Central's not great. If we're only picking one guy who's not mm-hmm. already in the All Star game, this I'm looking at the Central and I'm like, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys, in, and this is true for the Central too, but Metro specifically, like there's a lot of guys who. Typically, you know, I'll I'll take Chris Letang on my All Star team, or I'll take you know, whatever John Carlson or somebody. And there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in that group that just aren't. They're just not. They're just not there. I mean, I couldn't bring myself to take poor Johnny Gaudreau. Boy, that boy needs. He's already to, in the All Star. He's already game. there. Oh my God, that's right. Oh, whatever. Take there's a um, cannon. Yeah, kind of a weird, kind of a weird, uh, weird year. I think the issue is if. Like we're not doing goalies. Otherwise, I would have taken Connor Hellebuck for my central pick. But you don't care about goalies. But I despise them goalies. That's right. So the way this played out, what a sweet, sweet fall Miko Rantanen has made into my hand. Sean was so focused on his Dallas Stars friends. He just loves the formerly named Ramblin' Boys of Chaos so much Mm -hmm. that Miko Rantanen has fallen to me. So I'm going to take Miko Rantanen because he's been, you know, the Avs MVP through all these injuries. And even Kale McCarr basically said like, no, he should be the all-star, not me. Which is why Kale McCarr continues to be a king. And now loves they can co- hang out together loves, and go to Costco, Costco in South Florida. Miko Rantanen. <laughs> Tie each other's skates, go to Costco, go to the all-star game. 
Haley, I think you just I think you just won a draft. I won the last one technically. The history is being made on the Friday shows. I am actually picking Haley this week. I don't want to because she's like goalies and as a recent mm-hmm. beer league champion, Ooh. I take yeah. offense. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Haley won. Deserved. Hooray. Thank you. That's what happens when Miko ran and slides slides down to the last pick. What are you going to do? Cry about it. I accept the loss graciously. I think this is a great exercise to show how many star players are not currently in the All-Star game. Uh Uh-huh. These are going great. All right. These are are all great players. Do the right thing. Vote some of them if that's your thing. Or don't. Who cares? And that's all the time we have today because I need to, you know, provide a letter grade for every single person on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight and then get yelled at in the comments because I dared forget one moment from one of... Mark Giordano, B-. minus. We actually got a podcast promo in here before we get out. Next week, actor Jason Priestley joins the Wednesday Roundtable. I hope Mike Russo asks him about the 90210 reboot Yeah, and Meghan Markle being in it. Russo, I, I can guarantee you that Russo was not did not watch the nine zero two one zero reboot. He he's he's an original, mm. if of anything else. But that's cool. Well, Meghan Markle was in an episode of the rebooted nine zero two one zero. Jason Pierce is making a documentary about the Leafs. I believe that's why he's talking to, to those guys. By the way, he's a filmmaker. Oh, cool. Nope. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. If you're not an athletic subscriber, join us at theathletic.com/slash/hockey/show to get an annual subscription for two dollars a month for twelve months. You can also now subscribe to the Athletic hockey show's youtube channel it's youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show thanks everybody we said it was gonna be a quick show and then it wasn't it's not say la vie bye looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.